Hello, and welcome to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. I'm Jim Paolino, founder and CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking to leaders in the mortgage and real estate industries. Our goal is to talk about current events, interesting things from their end of the industry, and anything else that we feel is fascinating. Our guest today is a very good friend of mine, Crystal Thomas. She's the Senior Specialist for Industry Relations and Member Engagement at the Mortgage Bankers Association. Um, had to make sure I got that one right, Crystal. Um, and um, in effect, Crystal and I know each other um, throughout the years of my involvement at the MBA and, and conferences. And um, she um, is very involved in the Impact um, Young Mortgage Professionals Group, as, a well, as well as a lot of, um, of the diversity and inclusion initiatives going on at the MBA, which she is going to describe well better than I ever could. Um, so we're, we're going to start there and uh, go from here. That sounds great. You did a fantastic job. That was a great summary. Thank you. <laughs> We're here to build self-esteem, right? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, just to tell you a little bit more about myself. Um, so I've been at the MBA for about five years now, which is mm-hmm. shocking. I feel like I've time just seems to fly, um, especially within our industry. Um, Mm -hmm. But in my role, like Jim said, um, I do, I have the privilege of being able to work on a lot of different things. So um, I work on our state relations initiative. Um, And so what that is, is as a national MBA, um, that represents all aspects of housing. We've got lenders, we've got Mm -hmm. different partnerships. um, We've got banks that we partner with. There's just a a whole tech companies. There's a bunch of people that we collaborate with, as you know, because our industry is very dynamic and touches everything. Um, And so part of that, as we're we're talking mainly about advocacy, we realized that there was a need to also have a lot of collaboration with our state and local associations around the country. there are things that are happening within the states, as you know, with COVID and the pandemic, there's a lot of things that are happening. And so it's extremely important um, while we are a nationally based organization um, that we have these strong partnerships. And so I help manage that. that partnership. Uh, in addition to that, like Jim mentioned, I also work with Impact, which is our Young Professionals Network, uh, now almost 2,500 and strong, very proud to say, uh, but young professionals from all aspects of the industry and all across the country who are involved um, in our industry. And we really, our focus is mainly just to keep them engaged. Uh, and then lastly, I do a lot of work with our diversity and inclusion initiatives, both internally and externally. Um, I know we're going to get into some of the things we've been working on later on. Um, but yes, that, as you guys know, is an ever-growing and ever-expanding uh, industry and field. And, and just the position of MBA, we really feel you know it is our calling to, to really be the voice of the industry when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Wow, it seems like every time I talk to you, there's a new project, a new initiative, <laughs> a new a new title or something. Keeps uh, it exciting, right, yeah. Jim? <laughs> and you mentioned kind of being involved at the MBA for, for five years. In the last year, especially, what have been the biggest concern, especially as you're dealing with state associations? Like what specific elements um, are, are the largest hurdle? Like I've seen in, in New Jersey that... Um, at the beginning of 2020, there was a law that didn't enable um, loan officers to work remotely because they were considered fiduciaries. So that was, there was a lot of overnight legislation like that. Like what other kind of things were, have you been seeing across the country? Yeah, so um, again, our industry is one that never sleeps. 
<laughs> and so I will, I'm going to flip it because I'm an optimistic person. I will say there have been a lot of challenges, but yeah. I've been very inspired by the resiliency of our industry and the people mm -hmm. that make up, up make it up. Um, so we're still pursuing RON remote online notarization. Um, mm -hmm. We're noticing that there are some states that are starting to embody more RIN, which is remote ink notarization. Mm -hmm. um, and where that's a little bit problematic is that RON, there are certain steps in place that, that just ensure um, Th that minimize risk um, mm -hmm. and that will help, of course, you know, with lending, you want to be able to, to sell <laughs> a loan and be able to originate. So um, there were already structures built in place with Ron that we're not seeing in the same way with Bryn. Mm -hmm. um, you brought up um, MLO, licensing flexibility. And so we've mm -hmm. been still pursuing that, making sure that we are um, working with all of the different stakeholders to come up with regulations that are, are, are going to be lasting. Right now, there's mm -hmm. been a lot of great solutions. Um, in the meantime, as we're responding to the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, but we know that, you know, there could be another disaster, another, another pandemic. And so wanting to mm -hmm. make sure that we have uh, not only short-term solutions, but also long-term. Mm -hmm. And how likely do you think a lot of these changes that I think we're probably catalyzed over the last year. How much of this is going to stick in the long run? Hmm. I will say, um, as a as the MBA, and I can't speak for for everything. I can only speak in what's the world uh, of Crystal mm -hmm. Thomas, um, which Jim mentioned is ever expanding, and I love. Um, I can say that MBA is very um, very. Uh, sure and strong when advocating for lasting solutions. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of that goes into having those, uh, those strategic partnerships, collaborating and working um, with mm -hmm. our stakeholders to, to come up with sustainable solutions. Mm -hmm. I mean, then also really goes in line with MPAC in terms of getting that next generation of mortgage professionals in the industry. I always laugh, um, I think the mortgage industry more so than others. You're a young mortgage professional if you're 40 or under. So it's, it's a yep. big task. If there's any, <laughs> anyone out there who uh, would, would apply, please uh, please reach out to myself. Please reach out to Crystal. We'd love to, to have you in the group. It's, it's, a fun, it's a fun group and I've enjoyed being a part of it. Yeah, it's been great. I will say um, we just had a new member join our team, Jackie. Mm -hmm. um, she's going to be representing on the commercial multifamily side. So happy mm -hmm. to have another addition to the team. Yeah. Um, but Impact, and Jim already knows this, but I'll, I'll continue to share. Impact Please started share. back in 2015, um, mm -hmm. when especially on the commercial multifamily side, there were a lot of young professionals who noticed, you know, we're going to these conferences, we're making these deals, but there are not a lot of people who look like us. So how do we create mm -hmm. a space for young professionals to truly thrive in this industry? Um, and through that success that led us to impact um, that group being rebranded as impact when we incorporated residential side to that and you know before the pandemic we were doing regional events around the country mm -hmm. um, events around conferences uh, focused on industry knowledge so helping young professionals coming into the knowledge uh, industry gain that job knowledge being able to connect with their peers and also leaders of the industry and we also provided programming that provided a lot of those foundational skills so mm -hmm. increasing uh, brand visibility um, building your brand um, mm -hmm. What's your social media presence? Um, and then after, you know, now that we're in the pandemic and everything is virtual, which uh, Jim, I really miss being in in-person conferences so much, yeah. um, but that caused us to, to adapt and be flexible. Mm -hmm. And so um, part of, you know, our strategy is really about how to leverage, you know, um, our knowledge and our expertise as, mm -hmm. as young leaders who are continuing to shape this industry. Um, and so we uh, hosted a, a virtual event, Navigating Challenges, um, mm -hmm. 
during the pandemic. And that was phenomenal. We had leaders of the industry talking about, you know, what they've been doing, talking about, um, you know, the importance of still having young leaders, um, talking about, you know, how to still have that presence and, and dealing with that shift if your job was mainly going to conferences and now you're you're in this virtual environment. Mm-hmm. And so it was just nice to be able to hear from leaders of the industry, um, speaking directly to young professionals, answering our questions, um, and and creating this this environment where you you know you've got a network and, and community yeah. backing you. And one thing, and that I was on that virtual um, presentation, which I really enjoyed. And one of the things that they really pushed was the idea of coaches, the idea of mentors. And one nice thing about the industry is there are a lot of people with a lot of experience who want to share that experience. Um, so I, that is something that on my end, I've always been really trying to get more of and kind of find kind of the right people. And I don't know what you've seen, both in your experience at, at the MBA, Crystal, or as well as other young professionals, how they're kind of going about that process. Yes, yes. I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you brought that up. Um, you're going to laugh at me a little bit, Jim, but I have to, I have to share I it. Wait. So I just got my, I just got certified in associate diversity coaching. I got- I saw that on um, LinkedIn. Yes. Congratulations. Um, Yes, thank you. So coaching is near and dear to Mm -hmm. my heart. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, But, you know, that- I want to talk a little bit about our voices series because I think that that kind yep. of get to when we're talking about mentoring and coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so voices, uh, courageous conversations with women of color, uh, was a, a virtual series that was hosted by the MBA, and the whole purpose behind this event was to create a space where we're talking about, you know, the, we're we're having those real conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about some of the challenges, but also the opportunities and the role that everybody plays in, in making our industry more inclusive. And so we did a three-part series. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the turnout for these events has been phenomenal. We wrapped up mm-hmm. our last one on Tuesday. Um, and part of the focus on uh, the last series was really uh, Together We Rise and emphasizing the importance of having those mentors mm-hmm. and those sponsors who advocate for you in that in, in the rooms that you're not there. Um, but let me, let me pause for a second and separate between uh, coaches, mentors, and sure. sponsors because I know mm-hmm. that gets a little yeah. tricky. I know I, I bubbled them together, mentor, so I'm glad you're making that distinction. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So when you're thinking of a mentor, a mentor is going to be someone um, that you have more of a uh, professional and personal relationship with. Um, they're invested in your growth, and if mm-hmm. it's you know to me what I think of as like the most um, um, the, well the most fruitful relationships are ones that are more the reverse mentoring, where um, not only are you learning from your mentor, but they're also learning from you. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it develops into this organic and beautiful um, relationship, um, which allows for growth on growth on both sides. Coaching, however, is more so if you're trying to learn a particular skill, um, mm-hmm. if you're trying to address a, a particular problem or an area. Now, don't get me wrong, with coaching, coaching can still be transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, you're addressing disempowering beliefs, you're reminding people of their own agency, and so there's mm-hmm. still meaning in coaching, um, but your coach is going to be more of the facil- facilitator or the partner mm-hmm. as you work through some of the, the, the task and the, the, the areas that you want to work through. Um, whereas a sponsor, that's going to be the person that's advocating for you um, when you're not in the room. Um, so uh, ideally, this would be someone who you've you've worked with. They know your work. If they're asking, hey, you know, this project went really well. Um, you know, congratulations on you for doing this. They would be the person to say, 
hey, well, I also want to mention that so-and-so was really instrumental in this, like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the person that's cheering you on when, you, when you're not in the room. So um, should these both be at your same organization then? How do people kind of wrap their head around ooh, that? Uh, good question. Mm-hmm. So it honestly just depends. I know for me, I've been really lucky to have a lot of formal and informal mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and sometimes, um, and, and quite a few sponsors who are willing to, to, to cheer me on, but also mm-hmm. um, willing to acknowledge and recognize you know, my accomplishments. Um, I do think it's up to the individual. I do think that there are some companies like at the MBA, we have an internal mentorship program. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're looking at mentorship and mentors are not tied to a particular company. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they can be outside of the industry. I also have yeah. um, a couple of mentors that are based in my faith-based community. Um, and mm-hmm. so it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to your organization, but it's really about relationships when you're talking about mentorships. So mm-hmm. You want someone that is going to be equally as invested in the relationship as you are. Um, mm-hmm. And that you come with clear expectations um, on both sides, you know, mm-hmm. I have uh, two mentor uh, mentees myself, which is also really funny when you reach that certain. Age. So I just turned thirty. Um, new Congratulations! Day. Thank you, thank you. Um, but now I have people coming to me to be their mentor, and I'm like, yeah. wait, I'm not like I don't have all these years of experience. I'm still figuring it out too. Um, but that's my point of reverse mentorship, and where mm-hmm. I'm able to share what I've been learning and they're able to share what they're learning and together we're having this organic relationship Mm -hmm. that's leading to both of our growth. Well, I think that's really important. I actually had a similar situation this week where um, I'm working with a a company who's at my alma mater. It's a college sophomore who's trying to land his second client on a software business. So I'm mentoring, I guess, advising, um, I think they call it mentoring, sorry. And then, um, just, I enjoy the process. I enjoy helping them in doing that. And then a day later, I had the same conversation where I was the mentee dealing with someone well further along in the process. And for me, it was really important to think of like, think of myself in that position a day ago of like, this is what I'm enjoying about this. This is a way of giving back. I just Mm -hmm. like hearing about this and working on it and realizing that like, this is what this person feels like working with me. So I think having both of those um, is fun and it it makes for like an interesting kind of trickle down. And I definitely feel the same way as you when it's like, wait, someone actually like is modeling my behavior or thinking like what I did is correct. So it's, 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 you know, I think a good place in a, it's a fun place to be. Definitely. And it requires Mm -hmm. um, authenticity and especially in a world where you know, we have to be virtual for a lot of things. Being mm-hmm. able to have those authentic and genuine conversations yeah. are, are so important. And so um, I do want to say, you know, if you are looking for a mentor, if you are looking mm-hmm. to get connected mm-hmm. um, and there's someone at your company who you respect and want to learn from, you can do virtual coffee dates. I've been doing mm-hmm. those. Um, if there's someone I mean, we have LinkedIn, like reach out, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Of course, you guys can reach out to Jim Mm -hmm. Um, and and don't be afraid to, to, what I love is that when we think of, a lot of times when we think of mentorships, we think it has to be this Mm -hmm. person that's really prestigious and really high up, Um, but you can have peer-to-peer mentors. I mean, it's really whatever you're looking for. Um, If you are looking to grow and develop and there's a person that is embodying what you want to do, by all means, reach out. I have someone like that who I actually was on a call with about an hour ago and we were just 
he, he runs a business as well. He may be a podcast guest at some point. And we were just complaining about something that we both got angry about in a different way. And it was just nice to vent about those similar struggles. So I think it, it certainly has, has that type of value there of just being able to kind of have that person to talk about. One of the things I like to say a lot too is generally if you're asking someone for help, they're going to be a little standoffish. But what people love to do is give advice especially advice that ties in with their experience. Um, so that is always something that I have found kind of super helpful um, in, in that regard and looking for that, that mentorship. Um, so we'll offer, mm-hmm. offer advice, whether you ask for it or not. That's true. <laughs> that, 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 that is they a different type gifts. of problem. That's for yeah, sure. The optimist yeah. gifts. <laughs> yeah, the optimist gifts, the, the go-giver, right? Oh. I do want to um, talk about all of the work that you're doing right now um, around diversity and inclusion. And I think, you know, there, there's certainly some segues from what you're doing with impact for companies embracing that diversity um, of age, of, of backgrounds. Um, I think, you know, I think I was at an MBA conference and they had called the industry pal mail and stale, which is always the, the favorite MBA line. For me, the companies. So what I'd love to hear from you is the companies that are doing a good job with this right now from a diversity inclusion perspective, what are they doing? Like what, what commonalities are there for the people that you feel are, are succeeding right now at this and what benefits do they get through it? It's mm-hmm. a good question. Mm-hmm. I think it does vary on company resources, bandwidth, structures, mm-hmm. a lot of different factors that go into it. Um, and also acknowledging there's different layers of diversity. We have the mm. visible diversity and the, the, the diversity that we're not necessarily able to see. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say for specifically our younger professionals, when we're trying to think about that diversity, a lot of companies are, it, it's where I see a lot of the success happening is having a two, two step approach. So mm-hmm. the first step is, okay, there's young professionals that are in your company, how are we, keeping them engaged? How are we um, building them up from within? Um, Knowing that not everybody can be a VP, how are we still providing value and recognition? Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that goes into a lot of the research and and data around around different generations. Again, I mean, they come on millennials pretty hard. I, every time I'm in these conversations, I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay, we're not all lazy. Come on guys. But it is interesting when you're, especially now with Gen Z coming in, it is interesting Mm -hmm. to see um, when you're talking about recognition, when you're talking about the importance of value, when you're talking about the, Mm -hmm. um, what is important uh, to people, it's important to also keep in mind that you're developing a a workplace environment that will allow all generations to thrive, Mm -hmm. um, not just, you know, the newest generation coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do think companies that are really thriving are the ones that are creating those environments where similar to reverse mentoring, people Mm -hmm. are able to learn from one another. um, Mm -hmm. And it's less about age and hierarchy and more about talent and Mm -hmm. sharing knowledge and working towards the common goal and common vision. Mm -hmm. I think the other side of that is also um, building out those pipelines and succession Mm -hmm. planning. Um, And so, um, you know, now that we're in this virtual place and we're not able to travel, Uh, I know with the MBA, we are partnering with Convergence Memphis, which is MBA's affordable housing initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the privilege of being able to, to help start the initiative with um, under the leadership of Steve O'Connor um, mm-hmm. and attend the, the, the first event in, in Memphis about a year ago. 
um, or two years ago now. Wow, time is just flying. Yeah. <laughs> um, being able to see, again, uh, what Steve O'Connor is doing and his fantastic team about, again, being nationally based, but having strong community partners in the city of Memphis, working with lenders who are involved in the affordable housing um, issue, especially with bridging the Black home ownership gap. And you just mm -hmm. see a lot of like fruitful things coming out from that, from that team. And mm -hmm. part of that is also jobs and building out the pipeline. And so... Um, mm -hmm. One thing that MBA's Diversity and Inclusion is doing is that they're partnering with Convergence Memphis to mm -hmm. do a virtual career fair um, to help us uh, bring oh, wow. in the next generation uh, mm -hmm. of talent. And so um, you have to do both. It's not one or the other, yeah. it's both and. Um, mm -hmm. We need to find ways of getting that talent right. in and equally making sure that we are keeping them engaged and building um, succession planning um, mm -hmm. where even if they're not able to be a leader now, there are clear steps. There's there's a clear mm -hmm. vision of where they're going um, mm -hmm. and the value that they provide to the company. Yeah, absolutely. I think, at least for me, um, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is uh, an important point to make in these cases is this is not, clearly it's the right thing to do, right? But it's not only the right thing to do, it's also helpful to your business in the long exactly. run. And I've seen that in, in plenty of different areas like social impact investing, um, but I think the idea of um, bringing in a diverse set of thoughts and people and ideas, it's going to lead to a stronger business. It leads to stronger communities. Do you feel like it's hard to get that point across? Like what do you think people are more open to that now? I think people are more open where I get a little, um, where I think it's important to thread the needle is that oftentimes mm. when we talk about diverse, um, diverse people and everything mm -hmm. like that we're only typically thinking about certain aspects of diversity mm -hmm. um, and what makes diversity and inclusion diversity equity inclusion because i like to include equity because mm -hmm. we're all starting from different places we all have different resources and mm -hmm. dealing with systems and barriers um it's important to factor in equity mm -hmm. um everyone plays a part in the diversity equity and inclusion discussion i i, mm -hmm. I feel a lot of times what ends up happening is that um, while business resource groups and employee resource groups are great um, and they provide a lot of value, um, when you have uh, white male staff, um, they're part of the diversity story. Um, and oftentimes it's kind of, how do we do both and? I'm gonna keep stressing that it's both yeah. and. We create safe spaces um, for all people to thrive within our mm -hmm. company and develop business resource groups that allow us to think strategically or uh, give a particular diverse group the opportunity to truly thrive. Um, the important thing with business resource group and employee resource groups is mm -hmm. that there's clear expectations about, you know, the groups and what their, what their mission is and the value that they provide to the organization. Um, and I'm a big believer in making sure anything that you're doing with DEI um, is tied to the business case, is tied to the central mission of the company. Mm -hmm. And if it is tied to the central mission of the company, it's very clear and apparent that everybody plays a part, everybody plays a role. And so mm -hmm. if you're in, um, I, th I think people are open to it, but there might be a little bit of fear, fear of saying the wrong thing, mm -hmm. fear of being misunderstood. Um, yeah. And so that's why when we're thinking about, like even with voices, courageous conversations, mm -hmm. um, being willing and open to, 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 to ask those questions, um, to lean in and not away, um, mm -hmm. and be part of how we move forward as an industry. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, so one of the um, segments that we have on this podcast that my wife was actually the first guest on last week oh, um, is when we talk to consumers, potential home buyers, to try to get that perspective. Um, we call it a, America's Next Top Home Buyer. Uh, is our is our working title there um and one of the points that she made um was it's so important to see yourself in the process um when you're going and buying a home and it's the most important transaction of most people's lives and the fact that if you think of realtors loan officers as older men in many cases um it and, and the way that it's good for business is people want to see themselves both in who they're working with um, for a purchase, um, for buying a home, they who they're working with on a daily basis. Um, so I guess for, I had mentioned a little bit before about what the good companies are doing um, with in regards to this, the companies that are successful. What is a good starting point for companies that are trying to make this a bigger initiative going forward? How can you begin that? What's the first step? So um, it's not going <laughs> to... Okay, so I feel like a lot of times, best intentions, of course, best intentions, yep. the thought is we're just going to create these resource groups, we're just right. going to create these initiatives, yeah. but there's no, you need to start right. first with the data, yeah. data, 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 mm -hmm. take the time to figure out where your baselines are, mm -hmm. um, take the time to see, to, to evaluate, um, so for instance, um, handbook policies, is it possible that you know something in the policy uh, in the policies and in the handbooks that might not necessarily be inclusive? Not intentionally, yeah. but let's have another look at that just to kind of see mm -hmm. and compare it to um, to the um, the rest of the industry. Mm -hmm. Creating that baseline with kind of a sense of where employees, right. um, leadership, also board members, getting a sense of where everybody's yeah. at, mm -hmm. um, because that will allow you to really be able to say, okay, this is what's informing and shaping the strategy. These are the gaps. These are the steps that we need to take. Because again, mm -hmm. it's not uh, something you do overnight. Right. Instead of you flip the switch and woohoo, we're diverse. Um, yeah. it, it takes time. It takes mm -hmm. time. Um, and so I, I feel a lot of the, the, the problems and the well best well-intentioned programs may not be as successful or fruitful because you don't start with first creating that base and giving those metrics. Right. I will also say another uh, important factor um, to have when you're kind of shaping um, your, your strategy and your viewpoints um, is being able, again, there, so like for me, uh, part of this is because as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. Mm -hmm. um, That's there why are you're so here. Many, <laughs> there are so many trainings and so mm. many certifications that you can do. Um, mm -hmm. To, to become more familiar. So for instance, the one that I just completed was um, a program by Coach Diversity Institute and Howard University, and it's called mm -hmm. um, the Executive Certification in Diversity Coaching. Um, mm -hmm. And so you have CEOs taking it, you have, mm -hmm. um, you know, people like me who are developing their skills in the industry, great networking opportunity, but also just a great space to continue to learn from. And so mm -hmm. I'd also say, in addition to, to creating those data and getting that metric, those metrics, um, if you don't have, again, diversity and inclusion and equity is not going to happen with just one person in your company. Right. Ideally, right. you would have a whole team um, that is working directly with senior leadership and the CEO of the mm -hmm. company. Yeah. Um, and so making sure that you're investing in, in those people in your company. And if you don't have mm. those people in your company, creating opportunities and spaces um, for that, because 
um, it's important to make sure that you're, again, adding the value and, and recognizing talent within your industry and creating these opportunities, mm-hmm. um, not only within your industry, uh, within your company, but also potential external, um, but that it becomes more than just checking a box. Yeah. Your employees and those outside of your company are able to see there's true, uh, this is a true priority of the organization. Mm-hmm. The senior leadership is involved resources are being allocated and you're taking the time to really see um, where you're at to inform your strategy. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. uh, Obviously having the goal in mind when you start having that top-down approach, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important because I was about to say checking boxes before you. All too often (laughs) people just want to, oh, we have this now, so it's it's fine. We have, yeah. Mm -hmm. The positive person in me, best intention. Um, but this is lasting and sustainable yeah. change that we want to have, right. um, and, and culture shifts, mm-hmm. um, and addressing, uh, addressing systematic yeah. barriers that takes time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. data oh, one last thing, Jim, I'm sure. so sorry. And also, don't apologize um, <laughs> when you're, thank you. When you're also, uh, a, a lot of times, uh, when you're thinking of diversity goals, uh, you're pulling these, these numbers out of your head we want to hire X amount of, right people from this diverse group and blah, 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 blah. Um, Making sure you're comparing that with demographic data. Um, Mm -hmm. The reason why I say that um, is that you're basing it on the trends of what's going. uh, So if you're in the middle of a a place that's maybe not as culturally diverse, Mm -hmm. saying you're just going to have this random number of people may not necessarily be a sustainable goal. Right. why don't we have a larger conversation about how do we expand the candidate pool (laughs) (laughs) to to, where we, what are we lacking in? Um, How can we see like going over records of seeing who has been um, hired in the past, um, Mm -hmm. their progress within the company, um, who's applied for these jobs in the past, where are they coming from? Um, Mm -hmm. Just thinking broader um, and again, relying on demographic data and mm-hmm. the data that you collect within your company to really shape those yeah. goals and metrics. Because I do think sometimes mm-hmm. uh, companies are not always setting realistic goals right. yet. Again, it's mm-hmm. a multi- Well, I think there's really important things to that point that companies can consider and even somewhat small decisions that have big impacts. For example, um, what I've seen is where are you recruiting? Where are you putting up applications? Is it somewhere that right. is going to have kind of a self-selecting audience? Um, the other thing that I saw with, with my company early on is everyone said, do free internships. You can get, you know, um, get people in at no cost. It's going to be great. First off, I firmly believe that you get what you pay for and paying anyone to work. They're going to take it more seriously. You're going to take it more seriously and get a better end result. But also by offering... Um, a free internship, you've already dramatically limited the pool of who could come in and do something like that. So something that seems so easy and such like a knee-jerk thing actually has pretty big implications. I know. And you saw my face. I didn't hold back on that. I Mm -hmm. (laughs) would always say you can't eat experience, (laughs) especially being in DC. You cannot eat experience. Yeah. Uh, Another thing Mm -hmm. that I would also mention, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're thinking about, um, within your company, you know, we now have to think about while we are all teleworking, you know, have parents who are teaching and having their kids at home while also working full time. And so I think a lot of when we're talking about those barriers, the Mm -hmm. ability to have flexibility um, in in work schedules, um, the ability or to recognize, you know, 
sometimes when you schedule meetings past past five, that might be challenging mm. for for people who have children, or mm. even um, adults or employees at your company that don't have children. Mm. Um, are they taking care of their parents? Um, how yeah. are they doing emotionally and mentally? And so there's a mm. there's a lot of factors that I think we should have already been considering uh, mm-hmm. before the pandemic, but I think the pandemic has made really blatantly clear. Yeah. Um, that can be providing uh, barriers from amazing and talented people from being involved um, in in part of our industry. I think we can and will have to have another conversation with you about everything we've talked about now doing it remotely, right? It's just another big problem (laughs) of like mentoring, coaching. These are all well and good when you're sitting in the same office and some of this stuff, but now how are you dealing with this culture when everyone's in a different place? That's something we will we will have to um, put in for another day. The last question I had for you was something you mentioned at the beginning about missing in-person conferences, which I do dearly um, as well right now. Um, how do you see the future of conferences, um, not only with, with at the national level, but with a lot of state associations that you're working with? Are they rethinking what these are going to be like going forward or waiting for the dust to settle? Yes. So again, stressing the resiliency of our industry Mm. and just Mm. seeing how adaptable um, everybody's been. It's truly inspiring. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know for for me, speaking of my experience, so right when um, uh, COVID, it was one of those where like, we're going to remote work remote for a couple of weeks. And I just had a feeling I was like, nope, we're, (laughs) this is going to be a little bit longer. but it was right before our uh, state and local workshop, which is near and dear to my heart. So we basically have uh, state association leaders mm-hmm. from all across the country. They come together um, to talk about what's happening within their associations and just really creating an opportunity to learn from one another. Mm-hmm. I just love workshops in general because it's not as formal as a conference and you can mm-hmm. have a little bit more fun with it. Um, and it's really about those key takeaways. Uh, everything, I should have known when everything was planned out perfectly, like like several months in advance. Like <laughs> we were like, wow, this is really easy. Everything numbers look great. And it was like too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really hard having to um, pull back from that. We were also gonna do our first diversity and inclusion business roundtable. We had people signed up, everything mm-hmm. was set up. And, um, but obviously safety comes first, yeah. I mean, of course. Um, but again, it was it was a little bit sad, and I'm sure that others can share in that experience where you've been planning and putting so much time and energy into something mm-hmm. and to see it shift drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, so with our state and local workshop, we still saw that there was a need for our state and local partners to kind of come together. They were also canceling conferences, yeah. um, trying to figure out the new normal. And so we started our coffee talks uh, virtual series. Um, and so the goal behind that was that we would have an hour and a half long sessions where state and local leaders would select topics that they wanted to focus on. Um, a lot of it has been around conferences, um, developing pricing structures, you know, mm-hmm. should it be free? Should we charge? Um, also still being able to provide that member value add virtually. What does that mm-hmm. look like? Um, and so we've had a lot of really fruitful discussions from that. And um, mm-hmm. I've also started our diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioners coffee talk series. So that was a way mm-hmm. for, um, we, MBA has a diversity and inclusion advisory committee mm-hmm. um, and we do content and programming through our DNI webinar series and some of mm-hmm. our other programs and resources that we provide. But for the practitioners that are on the ground doing the job in and out, um, 
really, especially in adapting to, to COVID and addressing the murder of George Floyd um, mm-hmm. and just constantly be, just being having to respond to a lot of things that were happening within society. Um, we knew it was important to have a space for practitioners to come together, mm-hmm. um, share what they're learning with each other in a similar workshop format, um, but just know that they had a space where they were heard and, and yeah. they, they were recognized. I mean, honestly, DEI is not only um, head work, it's also hard work, heart work. Yeah. Um, and it oftentimes goes without recognition or thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, being able to have that space was really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will also say um, in our event, Navigating the Challenges of COVID, we discussed, you know, people who are starting new jobs in our industry without like, like completely virtually mm-hmm. um, and never having to meet people and kind of thrown into projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you continue to build your brand and, and get comfortable um, mm-hmm. when you're not able to necessarily knock on someone's office? Yeah. Uh, we also talked about how do you translate the skills? So being able to go to conferences and network and bring in mm-hmm. co- clients um, virtually, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of our conversation was really around leveraging technology. Um, because as you mentioned, yep. you're under 40, you're young in our industry. I'm not making yeah. assumptions about other generations. But young professionals, I know uh, for yeah. me, being able to navigate Zoom and, and do these really fun things with different mm-hmm. technological platforms allowed it me, allowed me to provide a new yeah. member um, mm-hmm. value add, not only to our members, but to our company. Yeah. So I mean, if I had a dime for every time I said you're on mute. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, right. So definitely. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and and mm-hmm. it's, it's been a really fun and beautiful experience. I mean, Voices yeah. is, is an example of that. We have a team. Mm-hmm. Of very passionate people from, you know, different generations, different aspects of our company, different um, Mm -hmm. departments coming together and trying to make this thing a reality. Um, And so it was a lot of trial and errors, learning Mm -hmm. as we go. And so um, I say all that to say is that there's been a lot of innovation and creativity. And so don't be afraid if you have an idea, if there's a process that you guys can improve upon or that you think might streamline, and help in this virtual environment, share it, talk yeah. to your manager, um, continue to provide that out, that value and that add to your company that you were already doing. Um, mm-hmm. And don't be afraid if it looks a little bit different now yeah. in the virtual environment. I think you bring up an excellent, excellent point that although it's, it's tougher than it's ever been for people to get together and it's unclear what that looks like going forward, the need for it is higher than ever. The need for people to support each other, to work through, all of the different things that are going on, COVID and, and non-COVID um, related is is a whole heck of a lot. So I, I always think there's going to be a place for that. And I'm very excited to see whatever that's going to look like after. Speaking of uh, things to plug, Crystal, um, there's an MPAC fundraiser that had just wrapped up. Is there anything else you can share about that? So um, when we're specifically talking about, you know, is this industry an opportunity for young professionals you know, the opportunity for young professionals to lead. Our Impact Open Doors fundraiser was a clear example of that. So um, Open Source Foundation is an organization that basically provides rental and mortgage assistance for families um, who have a child that's sick. Um, It allows families uh, to take the time and resources that they need to be there for their children in need. Um, And it's a grant, 100% a grant, and all the funds Mm -hmm. that are raised go directly towards um, the foundation. Uh, And so our young professionals, this is a 
organization that's near and dear, not only to my heart, but a lot of our impact leaders. Um, and so even in spite of COVID, took it upon ourselves to, to realize, okay, we can't do our fundraising like we typically do by being able to host regional events. Um, what does this look like in a virtual environment? And so we did a whole week of virtual events. Mm -hmm. We had yoga, we had um, Joe Sasto, who was uh, a top chef finalist for season four. I was in that one and I actually won the raffle. That was a lot of Yes, fun. I remember. Yeah. Um, we had a mixology and magic show. We had a live mm -hmm. concert. And all of this came from our young professionals who were passionate about providing and caring for families, especially during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, who came together in addition to their full-time job, came up with these ideas, reached out to people, and we generated uh, 50,000 plus wow. dollars for families in need for Open Source Foundation. And so that is just one of the many examples mm -hmm. um, of our young professionals who are leading in the industry, who have the support of leaders in the industry already. Um, and I think it's just so important to, to bring up um, when we're talking mm -hmm. about the, the power and the, the value that our young professionals bring mm -hmm. to the real estate. I think it's a great example of, of just leading by example in terms of the things you can do in this new environment to still bring people together, have conferences, have fundraisers, and do it in an engaging way. So exactly. I really hope people check that out. Um, so I really do appreciate your time and coming on. I, we didn't even get to hear ukulele playing and, and so oh, many other things. So we, we are going to have to have you back to touch on that. Is there anything, where can people find you? Is there anything you'd like to kind of plug or promote? Sure, I'd love to. So um, I've mentioned a, a bunch of different things, um, mm -hmm. all of which would be available on MBA's website, mba.org. Uh, especially if you're looking to learn more about our Voices series, we will be providing additional content and resources from that programming. So please be sure to connect. Um, mm -hmm. Also feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Crystal Marie Thomas. I know I use my full government name, but I love my name. Um, feel free to connect with me. I'm happy uh, to answer any questions, share what I've learned. Um, it's all about just continuing to, to, to be authentic, um, to lead and just to really have that compassion as we're all just really navigating this, this new normal that we're all in. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for coming on and hope to have you back soon. My pleasure and thank you again, Jim. Thanks for listening to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. Please like and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. If you have any ideas for upcoming episodes or would like to be a guest, please reach out to us at lendingleaders at lssoftwaresolutions.com. Hope to hear from you.